This is the Volleyball Coaching Wizards podcast, covering everything coaching. Motivated and inspired by interviews and conversations with some of the world's great volleyball coaches. To learn more about the project, visit VolleyballCoachingWizards.com. Now here are your hosts, John Foreman and Mark Levijou. Welcome to episode 23 of the podcast. While I'm remembering, please be sure to go over to iTunes and give us a rating. We'd greatly appreciate it. Now, in this episode, assistant coaching is the primary focus. We have the advantage of having John Corbelli sharing his views, having been an assistant coach at the NCAA Division I level for almost a quarter of a century, and having had you know the experience of being a head coach in his own right and working with assistant coaches under him. So he's, he's a guy who's developed some, some interesting thoughts and ideas many of which are in common with others that we've talked to, Wizards and otherwise, uh, but still there are points that need to be made. Uh, So I think this is uh, definitely a subject that's worth thinking about, both if you're an assistant coach at this stage in your career and if you're a head coach looking to get the most out of the assistants that you work with. So here we go. What would you say are kind of the key traits of being a good assistant? Number one, um, loyalty to the program, you know, and, and loyalty to the head coach. Um, yeah, I, I've just seen way too many situations where, you know, assistants hadn't been as supportive um, as they could have been. Um, oftentimes tried to undermine head coaches, and uh, that's just no way that should ever happen um it's tough on the team and it's tough obviously on the head coach um and and not what your role is um and uh you know after that it's really being well i guess it's still the same thing because you're taking what what you're directed to do and then doing the best you can uh with that direction and um, again, at the start of the week or the start of the month, uh, the start of each season, you know, Laurie and, and as a staff, we go in and, and we we decide what we want. And uh, you know, again, I'm I'm a strong personality. My wife's a strong personality. We've always tried to hire a third person as a strong personality. Uh, because otherwise we'd crush them along the way. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we we all and we want somebody with a strong personality because we've been together for a long time and we want a, a third opinion. We want a, th- a new set of eyes to look at things a little bit differently. And as long as my wife and I have been together, um, we. We we still have our own personalities. I guess it, that's how stubborn we are. Um, I, and I think it's important that an, that an assistant keep their own personality. That they um, that they keep wanting to grow. Um, that they keep wanting to move forward professionally and, and move their program as far forward as they can go. Um, not really caring who gets the credit, you know. It, it's uh, it's more about moving your players forward, moving your 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 team forward, um, and 
you're not going to do that if you're not growing as a person and, and as a coach and as, and as a teacher. Um, I think the other thing as an, uh, as an assistant, again, be, you know, the loyalty and, and being supportive is knowing, you know, when a lot of assistant coaches get the opportunity to deal with players at, at a much different level than the head coaches because players tend not to be as afraid of us uh, when they, they come to deal with us. And, and again, that's one of the reasons I prefer this role. Um, I'm a little bit more of the, the I'm, I'm the quieter person in the, the duo. I'm the, the person who is um, a little more likely to be a little more um, uh, I'm going to deal with you a little bit more in, in a I don't want to say positive. I don't want to make her sound like she puts people down. But I'm going to make, I'm going to deal with you in a in a softer way. I think than she does because I tend to spend. She has to deal with a lot of the administrative things. She doesn't have a lot of time for small talk. And I'm going to. I don't mind taking the long way to deal with people. And again, again, it's kind of the the influence that I got from Chris McLaughlin. It's just I'll I'll deal with you as long as it takes. You know and. Uh, I think it's important that uh, she knows that, uh, again, while I may not always want to do things exactly the same way as she does and use the same words, I'm, my intention is to get the person to the same place that she wants them to be down the road. Um, and, and I think um, she has to trust me to be able to do that and I don't think a head coach is going to trust an assistant coach if they're not loyal if they're not showing um, that supportiveness and the and that um, dedication to the the team and the, and the program um, along the way I thought that this would be a subject that we could take on from a couple of different perspectives uh, you obviously have done most of your work recently as a head coach and I've done a lot of my work just across my career as an assistant coach, so we can kind of speak to, mm -hmm. to both angles from this perspective. Uh, John is not the first one to suggest that loyalty is perhaps the most important thing in an assistant coach. I know, I know we've talked to other wizards about that who've made the same comment about you know, people that they're looking to hire or bring on or have on their staff. Um, so the fact that he mentioned it a couple times is shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody and if it does then uh, if you're an assistant coach you probably need to be really rethinking uh, your approach to things yeah um, the I've done actually quite a bit of assistant coaching so um, maybe uh, the last years of course more as a head coach but probably seven six or seven seasons or years as a as an assistant so um i have some experience at it and i know that uh, i'm not very good at being an assistant and part of that is um part of that is the is the question of loyalty and um i i feel very strongly in two things one being that uh that the, the staff has to be loyal so the, the staff should not um, uh, contribute
contradict or question or, or anything the, the head coach. Um, uh, and the second one is that the staff uh, always speaks with a single voice. And if you take those things to their extreme, then what happened with, with me as an assistant, particularly after, a, after some period of time in each situation, was that I, I felt uncomfortable um, with that situation, that I, I wasn't ever prepared to, uh, to speak, to contradict the coach or, uh, or anything like that. So uh, what happened quite a, on a few occasions was that um, I just sat in the corner uh, uh, stewing over things, which was um, not really good, uh, good for anybody. And um, I, when I worked with Vital, uh, we had a we had a much different relationship, and Vital uh, organised the situation very well, so that that wasn't the case. Uh, but it's a, it is a, a difficult situation, and um, one that I personally struggled with. It requires a certain set of skills that maybe I don't have. Well, now my question to that in terms of contradicting the coach. Now, are you talking about in front of the team or are you talking about as a staff in conversations in the office? On oh, uh, with the team. So, um, uh, that's the that's the main part. Now, the the ability to, to contradict or to discuss or to debate or to argue um, is also it's also important, and it came up in uh, in a couple of interviews. I think particularly Bill Bill Neville's interview that, uh, uh, and I know from bef before from clinics and, and hearing Doug Bill that that was a big strength of, of the program that they had. But uh, the reality is that they had a they had a very special program and a very special um, uh, relationship amongst the group of coaches that they worked with and. Uh, to actually contradict and and discuss and to debate is uh, not always uh, seen as desirable in an assistant coach. No, I agree. I mean, there are definitely coaches out there who, as head coach, it's my way or the highway, and I'm not going to accept any challenges, contradictions, or whatever. You do what I say, and that's that's your job. Um, and, it, and obviously, in a case like the Corbellis, where it's husband and wife, you're probably not going to have that sort of situation just because of the relationship involved. But John did talk about the times where, in the gym, they would find themselves going in different directions inadvertently. And, of course, okay, correction, we need to get things fixed. And, you yeah. know, he kind of talks about that practice might have more water breaks than usual <laughs> while they get things sorted. But... Yeah. With the, the with the idea that the players understand, okay, the coaches may not be agreeing right now, but they'll get it sorted, and we know that they have our best interests at heart in the in the long run here. Uh, yeah, those you would prefer those situations to happen behind uh, behind closed doors, so that once you got on the court, um, everything ran smoothly. Um, but it can happen, and that that they are able to recognize those situations and to correct them on the fly, I think, uh, speaks to a, a, a pretty solid working relationship. Well, two dozen years together, that, uh, that says something. 
Um, yes. <laughs> living living together 24 hours a day, literally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I actually did have a, have a conversation with John a little bit later about the idea of having the unified front in front of the players where this stuff yep. all sort of came up. And and he wasn't... I've always been of the of the opinion that, yeah, you don't want to, to, to be contradicting the head coach in front of the team. Um, although he was less concerned about that. And, and perhaps that's the nature of the relationship that he's obviously got there. Uh, yep. Just, you know, and I, I would be curious to hear what you have, have to say on that just from the perspective of your assistant coaches. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's another, that's another question. So, um, the working, my own working with staff has, um, been only marginally more successful than my, um, being in <laughs> being an assistant part. Um, because as I said, I, I, I believe very strongly in, uh, in having a single voice and, uh, what's then tended to happen is that that single voice has been mine and um, this is something that that really came up a lot this year that uh, uh, that I that I need to, to pay more attention to and, and to spend uh, more time working to um, to help with that but uh, I don't uh, I'm definitely not uh, afraid of discussion and debate as uh, I think should be clear by now to anybody who sort of follows my online presence, um, uh, I, and I think that's really that's really important. But but on the court, um, I think that the words that you use are really important. The the style of communication also is really important, and because simply by choosing different words, you change the emphasis on on something, and if even if two people are using different words, then they're giving the players different emphases, and for me that that becomes uh, that becomes an issue. And um, I think that the coach, assistant coach, uh, organization has to go as far as uh, uh, as using the same the same words in the same time to be completely consistent with the message. Right. And actually, uh, I was starting to think there about this, the structure of the relationship between the Corbellis. John talks mm-hmm. about how he he has primary responsibility for the training side of things, whereas it sounds yeah. like Lori is more the manager type, um, okay. which is which is arrangements that you do see. I've seen it in other places in college programs. I think you, uh, we've talked about it in soccer. Uh, there mm-hmm. was uh, there was somebody famously who. Who didn't handle the actual training programs uh, very much from day to day? Um, I think it's the it's actually the English stroke British model of working is that the manager, and this is also why he's called the manager and not the coach, um, does does not actually do the active coaching. And uh, I think you'll find that uh, that was the case with Ferguson, for example, through most of his career definitely the last part of his career but guys um, a lot of the the famous uh, coaches were not on the on the pitch with the guys every day they were they were the managers of the club they ran the day-to-day business of the club right 
Right. Yeah, and it's it speaks to the point of, and, and John kind of brings this up. He, I mean, he talks about it in the perspective of find ways of making the program better, yep. whatever whatever that means. Uh, and obviously, how you do that is going to depend on the nature of the coaching staff and the structure of the program involved. In his case, obviously, the assistant coach is primarily responsible for training the team. In other situations, the head coach is primarily responsible for training the team, and, and assistant coaches have different responsibilities, some of it training, some of it administrative. Um, yes. You know, in, in, my, in most of my cases as an assistant coach, it's been pretty much equal split between on-court stuff and off-court stuff. But I've worked mm -hmm. with I've worked with other assistants who their job was basically on the court, and that's that yep. was their primary responsibility. Um, and in other cases, I've seen assistants who you know, okay, you're the recruiting coordinator. Your most important job is to recruit, and what you do in the gym yep. is is a, is a bonus. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So obviously, that's going to depend on on the head coach and what they want to do and where they put the priorities and we've had conversations about this with other wizards in terms of okay how do you structure your staff and i know in the case of jim stone he talks about he tries to identify good specialists and then fills in yeah. the gaps whereas others think more toward what do i coach really well and then i think vitals kind of goes in this direction um, you know, what do I do well? Let me find some people that complement that. Yeah. I think Vital's exact line was something along the lines of uh, people who know more than him. Right. And uh, it, in a technical sense, I think he's he's talking about mostly there. And, mm. and he, with the whole, his whole time with the German national team, he worked with, uh, with experienced coaches. So me, Roberto Santilli, Roberto Piazza, uh, Andrea Brogioni, um, not um, not helpers, but but coaches of uh, of high value, and and that one of his great strengths, um, particularly compared to me, was uh, how he utilised that, how he managed those people, and um, it's a great quality, another one of his great qualities. Right. Now, in a situation where Let's say you've got an assistant coach who has an issue. <laughs> Doesn't you know, like the situation you were in, where you didn't you didn't agree with either the philosophy of what was happening or how things were being done. From yeah. from your perspective as a head coach, if you've got somebody in that situation working for you, <clears throat> what do you want them to do? How do you, how do you want to try to resolve that situation? I think that it's important for the, the head coach to be open for conversation. I think that's the first most most important thing and the the worst situations that I had were when the the coach I was working with uh, would just shoot me down in the, when I when wanted to discuss something with him in the in the office or uh, in actual extreme coaches I cases I work with two coaches who would then talk to the team about that and point out why uh, why I was wrong um, in whatever point there was that I was trying to make um, that was a particularly unpleasant uh, coaching situation 
Yeah. So I, I think the first thing is that the the coach has to be open with the assistant coach even more so than with the players. And when you have a discussion about something, uh, you can often find solutions to different situations and um, subsequently work better as a staff. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can wholly um, commiserate with the with some of what you were just talking about because my, mm-hmm. at one point, as a young coach, I was on a staff and it seemed like every time it came down to planning out training for that day, I was sent out of the office to go do something. Go, you know, yeah. make sure the gym's set up. Go make sure the players are doing this or whatever. And it frustrated yes. the heck out of me because, hey, I'm, I'm trying to learn stuff here. How can I be learning stuff if I'm not involved in the process or at least see the process? So, yeah, that was <laughs> incredibly frustrating. Um, there's... There was something what's, that came up. No, go ahead. I was going to say what's worse is when you do those things by choice so you don't have to be involved. <laughs> yeah, well, that speaks to what John was talking about in terms of, of being constantly learning and developing. If, yeah. If you're taking yourself out of developmental situations, then what's the whole point? Oh, no. I, uh, no, I, I did it. In some cases, I did it deliberately because the coach in question was screaming at players and ah. um, swearing at them in different languages, and I didn't want to have anything to do the with that. association with that. Well, that I can appreciate. Yeah. Subconsciously, I wasn't deliberate. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, Go well, yeah, well you know, I've, I've been in those situations where you're, you're just looking at the head coach as they're talking to the team going, what is happening right now? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I can't believe that I'm witnessing this. Or, you know, you've had a—I had a conversation with a coach after a, a particularly bad loss, and you know, I was trying to talk them down about going and screaming at the team, and yeah. I thought I did. And next thing I know, they're in a room with the team, and I'm not in the room, so you know, I'm not there, and I don't see this actually happening. I think this happened twice, and. Yeah. You know they're letting the team have it, and I'm just going. What? What? I thought we just agreed that we weren't going to do this. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's those times as assistant you feel like, well, why am I here? What's What's my purpose? Um, but in any case, uh, the, one, one the of the coach yep. has to give the the head coach has to give the assistant coach purpose, yeah. and that's the that's the big lesson that I've learned in all of these things and. I need to go ahead and um, uh, pay more attention to when I'm when I'm working. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, interestingly, the personality of the assistants plays a role in this. Um, yes. You know, you had an assistant at Berlin who was on the quiet side. Yeah. I don't know about your latest assistant there in Poland, um, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I've worked with assistants of, of different personalities, and you know you have to, you know, either encourage or accommodate whatever they they bring to the table. Um, and and John actually talks about how in the staff at Texas A and M, because he and his wife have very strong personalities, that they need to have mm-hmm. a, a third assistant who also has a strong enough personality to fight against that, so they don't just yeah. become you know yes men. 
uh, that they actually can, you know, survive the, the, the process and the pressure and, and still contribute. Yeah, the, you don't want to have yes men. That's that helps nobody. That helps nobody in the end, and it gives you a it gives you a false sense of um, of confidence, and and it stops you getting better. And yeah. I've had situations where I, I knew the guy was agreeing agreeing with me, um, just to agree with me, and I knew that that's not what he thought. And uh, so then, as a as a head coach, you have to you have to push him to give his opinion because, as I said, you, it's like any field without um, without having conversations, without having feedback. Um, you know, you have no possibility to improve, or sorry, much reduced possibility. I've just out of curiosity, have you noticed any cultural bias in that sort of direction? Like certain. Uh, coaches from oh. certain nationalities will tend to be more quiet and certain others will tend to be more engaged? Um, I think in different sporting cultures, the expectations of assistant coach, uh, coaches are different. So I think that uh, in the um, American system, there's an expectation that the assistant coach is very active. Mm -hmm. And in European systems... I think it's less that's less common that the assistant coach is, is uh, certainly as active so input yes discussion yes um, but maybe not too much on the court and uh, and certainly not uh, um, you know raging raging debates <laughs> well I mean is that a nature of the, the structure of the sport in Europe where in a lot of cases the head coach gets hired potentially from outside of the organization potentially from a whole different country but a lot of times you have local assistant coaches because that's the only people you can get for the wages uh, in those cases uh, yes but then then that brings into those situations bring into question bring the loyalty question back to the forefront Mm -hmm. Because in those situations, to whom is the assistant loyal? Right. And yeah. the answer to the question is to the club. Exactly. Which uh, makes the the life of the head coach very lonely. And is the reason why um, a lot of coaches will uh, fight to get their own their own staff in place. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think... To a degree, to a degree, rightly so. All right. Well, let me ask ask you this, and I don't think this was something that was included in the clip, but it was definitely something John and I talked about, or at least John brought up, was mm -hmm. the idea that players feel more relaxed speaking to the assistant coach, um, which can have pluses, can have benefits, and can have you know difficulties. Uh, in his case, he, he actually brought up the idea that. Players feel like the assistant coaches will tell them the truth, whereas they don't always believe that's the case with the head coach, which I found to be an interesting uh, perspective and, and with, a, with a lot of truth to it. The first part, I, I agree completely, and uh, that's a note that, that I made about the, about the 
about that point is that the assistant coach has a completely different relationship with the players and the um, the they, they t- tend to be much closer to the players um, they spend a little bit more time with them in a um, not social setting but in a non-work setting so the, the coach will tend to separate himself uh, earlier and the assistant coach kind of hangs around a little bit more uh, and that that creates a situation where players are much more open with the with the head co- with the assistant than the, the head coach so they'll they will uh, complain about the coach they will complain about the other guy in the team they will complain about um, you know why aren't I playing um, etc etc um, that creates what I think a very difficult situation for the, the assistant coach because the, the assistant coach needs to have the, the trust and respect from both the team and the, the head coach. So the, the assistant has to make very good decisions um, about what to pass, what information to pass on to the head coach mm-hmm. so that he can maintain his position with the group and and keep the trust and when he does choose to pass something on then in a way then everybody needs to to the head coach as well needs to then use that information in a way that doesn't put that relationship at at risk and um i worked one year with a very young assistant coach and and uh i liked him he he was a guy who he wasn't afraid of anyone he certainly wasn't afraid of me and now he's a successful head coach in his own right. And the advice I gave him at the beginning of the season, I think he was 27, 26, 27 at the time, was that the players will tell you lots of things and you don't have to tell me everything. Right. So you can, I, there are some important things that I need to know, but you don't have to tell me everything. And at the end of the season, he said to me, um, that was that was uh, the best piece of advice that I could possibly have given him. Because of course, if he was sharing a change room with them, then uh, he was obviously hearing stuff, which I didn't actually, I felt good that I gave him good advice, but I felt <laughs> a little less good about the implication. But, yeah. but it's an important point. And, um, that relationship is uh, is delicate, and and that's why it's difficult. It's a difficult position, and and loyalty is is uh, really tested. Well, exactly. Yeah, that would be cycling back to John's big point. That tends to be the area where the loyalty issue can get really get tested. Yes, because you've got people who are grumbling and griping and and all that, and it's really easy to fall into the agreement trap where you start to agree with the player because of the relationship you have with the player and it starts to yes. fray the loyalty you that you have to the coach yes and the, to, to go back to the, the other point uh, that I didn't address was um, about the assistant coach telling the truth mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that I agree I agree with that and I think that speaks a little bit to the relationship between the between the people, between the players and the assistant, and the and expectations as well. Yeah. So, um, 
I think that the assistant coach is more likely to um, actually more likely to sugarcoat some things and say, well, you know, I think this is maybe what it is, and um, uh, but is much less likely to be blunt. And I think that that's the point that, or that's what's actually happening that when uh, when John talks about that. So players are, are comfortable hearing advice from the from the assistant coach because it's less confronting and put in a nicer way. Yeah. So people are much more likely to pay attention to that information than uh, when the head coach says. When you when the player asks the head coach why aren't I playing more, and the head coach says because you're not very you're not good enough, um, the first thing you do is go and run to the the assistant coach and say you know is it true that I'm not very good? And um, the the assistant coach can't say yes, <laughs> and uh, then something that's more palatable. So well, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure that the point about truth truth telling is necessarily. Um, uh, exactly true. I, well, and, I, and I agree to your point about you know t- there's a relationship issue there, and different coaches are gonna are gonna speak with players in different ways. Um, and and my first response in a situation like that would be, it's kind of to your point, is that you know when you're talking with the head coach, you're talking with the person who makes the decision as to whether or not you play and how much you play. Yes. Whereas when you're talking with the assistant coach, they're not, they don't have that control. So it's, it's, a, more, it's a more relaxed relationship inherently. Um, yes. I, I think the point John was trying to make with his comment was that, it, at least in certain cases, uh, the players maybe feel like speaking with the head coach, there's going to be a bit more of a manipulation involved. You know, they're gonna, the head coach is going to be trying to get them to do certain things play harder, train harder, adapt to a new position, whatever, you know, things okay. that, you know, maybe they don't want to do or do want to do or whatever. And like you said, and then it comes down to the, the assistant coach to kind of sugarcoat it and make it all seem yeah. palatable and all that. All yes. right, we're, we're, we're running a little bit short. Um, any, uh, actually, the, the, the final thing I wanted to ask is if you were to go back to your assistant coach self from those years ago, uh, what advice would you be giving yourself in those situations where you found that you weren't, let's say, in line with where the coach was, and, and, and what would you do differently now? I think there were there were times when uh, this might sound odd to, to people who know me, maybe, but there were some times when I needed to be clearer to the head coach that he was not treating me with respect. Um, that's the that's the first one, and um, the second one is that uh, I needed maybe on one or two other occasions I I needed to be uh, a little bit clearer that I didn't feel that my uh, my input was valued or that that uh, um, that my input was was valued, and, and I I didn't speak up about about either of those situations i i think that's important i agree well and, and business research would would tend to agree with that because a lot of job satisfaction comes down to do you feel appreciated do you feel valued as a contributor yeah 
So if you're not feeling those sorts of things in the position you're in, then it behooves yeah. you to make people know that. And, and maybe they can yes. make adjustments and maybe they can't. And if they can't, then, you know, maybe as, as John has said in his discussion, maybe it's time for you to look for a different situation. And you know, well, that's the life of a, an assistant coach anyway. I was just about to make that point and that part of those, in my case, definitely the first two of those situations I referred to, part of my lack of response was was uh, driven by my um, lack of alternatives. I, I didn't feel I had other alternatives, so I had to suck it up and uh, and get on with it. Otherwise, I wasn't going to get a chance to, to do what I wanted to do, which was to be a coach. And, um, uh, so that's really difficult. Sometimes if you're going to have those conversations, then um, you have to be prepared for the, the ultimate outcome, which means uh, leaving the program of your own or somebody else's accord. Right. It's true. Okay, any final thoughts? I think the relationship between the, the coach and his staff is, is really important. Um, the, the head coach who has a, has a vision, has a plan, has a, a philosophy can, can go a long way, can achieve a lot of things, but um, with a well-functioning staff utilizing the input and knowledge of others, uh, he can go even further and uh, needs to spend time uh, creating that situation and my goal for next season is to take my own advice. <laughs> and I would add to that, it behooves the assistant coach to to push, to, to show that they can add value to the program in different ways. I mean, it, it, John talks about being having a, a, a developmental and educational mindset and that's part of it. You know, demonstrate to the head coach that you can take on more responsibility. You know, make a good argument yep. for it. Be respectful, obviously, but also, you know, press and, and demand the opportunity. And then it's up to you whether you succeed or fail. All right. There you go. This that for everyone. There you go. All right. We'll wrap it there. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes and more, visit volleyballcoachingwizards.com backslash podcast. Got an idea for a future episode or want to ask a question? Send an email to podcast at volleyballcoachingwizards.com.